This message comes from the Hive sponsor, Kennedy Ryan, top 25 Amazon bestseller and Rita Award nominee. Hoops, her basketball series is available now on Kindle Unlimited. Hi and welcome. My name is Tia Kelly and welcome to The Hive. Author Delaney Diamond is joining me later on today's episode. Plus guest narrator, author Lucy Eden is giving us an extended audio sneak peek into Delaney's latest book, Two Nights in Paris in the second half of the show. So you definitely want to stick around. Okay, where do I begin? Um, I know where I want to start. I want to kick off this episode by saying thank you. Thank you to everyone who helped us make our first podcast episode a success. Uh, There were a lot more downloads and subscribes than I could ever have imagined. The shares, the love, the messages, the comments and feedback, I really appreciate it. Honey Magnolia just wants to help help spread the word about awesome, diverse books and get those books into the hands of the readers, the bloggers, the influencers, the people who want to support, just support us. So thank you. I couldn't have done this without you. So if you listened, if you liked, if you shared, if you subscribed, thank you. If you haven't done any of all those things, but you're here now, thank you for that too. Before we get started with this episode, there is a little subscribe button. Wherever you listen to this, click that so you don't miss any more episodes. We're going to be coming to you every Monday, same place, same time. You can find us on your favorite platform. And if you click subscribe, it'll just download for you and you won't miss anything. Last week, we had Nia Forrester on. It was a much longer than normal episode than what we plan to have in the future. But there was no way I was going to cut any of that. I, I couldn't. I just, It was an awesome time. Great fun time with Nia. Uh, I didn't want to split the episode up and have you waiting seven whole days for the second half. I just want to go ahead and just give it all to you. So thank you for tuning into that. Thank you, Jacinta Howard, for also reading the first few pages of Rhyme and Reason. I hope you all got a chance to check it out if you did. Go do our friend Nia Forrester a favor, leave a review, um, let people know. That's the best type of promotion, advertising and, and way to get our books into other people's hands is is to tell a friend. Um, and speaking of telling a friend, there's a few new releases that have been rolling out. I want to tell you guys about. So there is one that came out last week. Um, it's by an author named Amaka Azi. I hope I'm saying that correctly. I'm going to spell it for you so you can go into your, your book buying retailer site, drop it into the search bar. It's A-M-A-K-A and her last name is A-Z-I-E and she just released a novel called Love at First Sound. Very, 
Very, very good. Um, I'm actually getting ready to crack that one open as we speak. <laughs> I'm looking forward to reading that one. Um, we also have another one that is coming out tomorrow and it's by Angelia Vernon Minchin. I, I really, I enjoy her works. She's she's an amazing, interesting storyteller. And a lot of that is because of her heart and her spirit. And she's just an author that is just all about helping, giving and doing. And it shows in the stories that she tells. And her new release, Cinnamon Brown's Other Daughter, is coming out tomorrow on Tuesday. If you're listening to this on the day of release. Now, if you listen to this on Tuesday or any day after, it's available. Click it. Buy it download it, read it, and of course, review it. And then we have another release coming out on Friday of this week by Suzette Riddick. Uh, she's releasing the first in the new series. Um, it's actually a relaunch of a series that she did, and it's a revised, re-edited, reformatted series, and it's called A Special Summer. So those are a few books for you guys to check out before we even get into the one you're here for on today's episode. So stick around. After this break, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Aaron St. Charles, author of the best-selling Shifter Enforcers Paranormal Romance Series, available at Amazon and other online ebook retailers. Hey, everybody. I am here with one of my favorite authors. And I'm not saying that just because she's a friend of mine is because she's just that damn good. (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited because, I mean, you you know how I get when I talk about your books. (laughs) (laughs) It's so nice to hear. (laughs) Hi, everybody. <laughs> so tell us, because I, I can say a lot about you, but why don't you tell us about yourself? Oh, gosh, the dreaded question. Okay, so about me, I'm a fairly quiet person. Wow. <laughs> and <laughs> I am, no matter what you think. I'm a fairly quiet person. I, Of course, I get riled up about the usual stuff, politics and that kind of thing that gets me riled up but um let me get on twitter right yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) i really need to stay away from twitter more often (laughs) but but it's it just draws me in for some reason Uh, i just have to remind myself that people are not following me to hear me rant (laughs) they actually want to know what's going on with me so i have to dial it back sometimes no, I mean, I love being spending time with family and friends. I get really animated and silly and funny and all that kind of good stuff, just like anybody else. If you read my bio, you'll see that I love to cook, I love to travel, and those are very, very much parts of my personality. But then, you know, I'm a romantic. I write romance novels. I've been reading them since I was 11. So I just, I love what I do and I love reading those types of stories. So that's me in a nutshell. Yes. And everything, like you said, your bio, you're one of those, everything <laughs> you say and put out there is you. Like it you, is me. You yeah. travel. And, and these books that you write about, I'm pretty sure you've been there and have explored it and can tell me about it. And you take us there. You're food, like you, you are a foodie. 
that was fun. You know, we've done that before. We have ideas and talked about trying to do more food experiences. And you are passionate about some things. And I don't think it's ranting. I, I do think that you have some some good things to say, but that's not why we're here. Right, we're right. here to talk about <laughs> the other thing that you didn't mention, the other side, you know, you hinted at it because of the romance and everything else. But you're also an author. You're a writer. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> How could I forget that part? <laughs> yes, I love writing. I've been writing actually since high school. Um, and I don't know. I I start, I should say, I shouldn't say I started, been writing since high school. I started in high school and I sort of gave it up for a while. I've run some contests and stuff, but I gave it up because it just wasn't the kind of thing that, you know, who's going to make a living writing books, for goodness sake. Um, so I was very practical and did my business degree like I was supposed to and all that. But, um, yeah, I've, I've loved writing from since I was young. And I think it started because of, I've loved reading. I was one of those kids that the librarians were like, oh, here she comes. Here's a good book that you would like to read. No lie. Like they really would set outside books for me to read. <laughs> and it just blossomed into me loving to write as well. Well, thank you to the librarians who've done that. Um, <laughs> I appreciate that they did that for you. I remember them. I mean, I fell in love with books and the library at a young age. and was mm-hmm. a volunteer, a junior volunteer when I lived in Texas doing that. And I, I mean, I still seek out the library and it, it's an awesome place. And it's it is. You just don't want people to forget about when you mm-hmm. hear about those things. And taking our kids there, kids love the library. So mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. more of those experiences. Okay. All right. So I remember when I first found Delaney Diamond and for the 979th time that you've heard this, I'm mm-hmm. sure, because I will never let you forget this, but there, I'm sure there's someone out there who has not heard this story. <laughs> I fell in love with Delaney Diamond because of a character named Derek. Ah, uh, yes. Derek is Mr. Alpha. Like, I mean, to the, like, he brings the A in alpha. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I loved, I loved writing him too. So that's good that, you know, you enjoyed it. And other readers have, he really made an impression on readers in the Hawthorne series. So. Yeah, you did. And you just have this knack with families in the Hawthorns. And then, you know, from the Hawthorns, you also gave us the Johnsons. And now you're, you know, you also are expanding the Brooks. But, okay, so I'm talking too much because I'm supposed to be interviewing you, but this is how much I, you know, I'm into these books. Tell me about your your catalog of books. Um, let's start with some of your families. Yeah, sure. Okay, so as you mentioned, the Hawthorne family, it was actually my first family series, and that one has four siblings in it, and they all find love, and that's where, you know, Derek Hoffman, he's actually the half-brother. He ended up, well, they ended up all finding love in that series. And then I did the Johnson family series. And one of the characters from the Hawthorne family series, actually, Lucas Baylor, he is the hero in the first book of the Johnson family series. Um, He is a love interest for Ivy Johnson. And the Johnsons really took off in a way that I hadn't expected. Readers really liked reading about them and their journeys and their flaws and Seattle and all that kind of good stuff. But the Johnsons are wealthy 
and they have a beer and restaurant conglomerate in Seattle. And they were a lot of fun to write. And there's, there's five of those, five of them in the story. In, I'm sorry, in the series. And then I decided to do a spinoff series with their cousins in Atlanta. And so that became the Brooks Family series, which I started a couple of years ago. Initially, the first book was not even listed as the Brooks Family. It was part of the Bennett Triplet series that I did with Candace Shaw and Sharon C. Cooper. That one's going to have six, and it's not just going to be siblings. It also includes the parents, Sylvie Johnson and her husband, Oscar Brooks, and the fact that they were divorced and they got back together. It's, it's shorter than the rest of the books in the series, but it was just kind of fun to write a mature couple and show them still being passionate and that kind of thing and having love for each other. Those are my three... Um, family series. And I'll probably, I want to do another spinoff of the Johnson family. I'm thinking the Newtons in um, Texas, which would be their mother's side of the family. But I'm still sort of playing with that idea. And it's definitely at least a couple of years down the road. Okay. All right. The Johnsons, I still think, I mean, Cyrus and his guy. And I mean, you have the characters that just stand out where you're just like, Trenton is just like a a character that I, you know, I have. Yeah. I know. I know you like Trenton. (laughs) (laughs) Gavin is really popular too. Readers love Gavin. So Mm -hmm. um, yeah, from the cover to the end, I mean, yeah, (laughs) sort of like the bad boy, but he really loves the heroine and takes care of her. So yeah, he was popular too. And you also go beyond. You have a series based around um, friends. You have quicksand, um, some uh, princesses. Right, yeah, yeah. I um, <laughs> I love writing series, and lucky for me, readers love reading series. So, yeah, the well, my first, my very first one was the Latin Men series, and all the heroes in those books are from Latin American countries or Spanish-speaking countries. Well, well, also Brazil, Portuguese-speaking. Yeah, so they're all Latin men, and that the very first one was the arrangement. That's where I started publishing books, and it took off from there. And then also, so that's an interracial series. All the heroines are black, and then the Love Unexpected series is also another interracial series that I have, and that's based around friendships and also family, as you mentioned, friendships. And let's see, Quicksand, which is sort of a it's the books aren't really related. It's more around the theme of falling in love and falling hard. And so that includes the first one, which is a powerful attraction. It's an interracial book. And then without you is a black romance. And, um, and then as you mentioned, the Royal Bride series, the first one I published last year, which is princess of Zamibia. And that's about an American, a black American woman, meeting and finding love with an African man from a uh, made-up country uh, that I created called Zamibia. And then the last one that I released was earlier this year called Princess of Astoria, and it's interracial. He's from a European country. It's inspired by Meghan Markle and Harry in England. And so I have one more book 
that's going to be part of that series, which is called Queen of Barrakesh. And it's also going to be interracial. And the heroine is the cousin of the hero in Princess of Zamibia. And then the hero is an Arab prince. Books on books. I mean, that's one thing that I love is that, you know, when someone discovers you, they can just go on forever and they often want to. Which brings me back to the Brooks family mm-hmm. and the Johnsons. I want you to tell us a little bit more about Two Nights in Paris and especially about the hero. I mean, that sounds bad because I need you to talk about the too. But see, I peeked into the book and looked at it, and the first two words jumped out at me. He had a t shirt on, okay, mm-hmm. that said orgasm donor. Yes. That- <laughs> and that pretty much gives you an idea of who Stefan is. <laughs> He's wearing a t-shirt that says orgasm donor. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Say it loud and proud. I I guess so. (laughs) Claim it. Yes. (laughs) Whatever your accomplishments are. (laughs) (laughs) Let people know. Be proud of your skill sets. So, yeah. (laughs) Tell me about this book and this, you know, and these characters. Yeah. So Stefan Brooks, as you mentioned, he's he's quite the character. He was actually a lot of fun to write. I like writing extreme characters, either super alpha or just super, you know, kind of sexy and um, bad boy kind of, you know, and that's, that's where Stefan is. He's a bit of a ladies man and, um, but he's floundering a little bit. He's floundering through life. He's living it up on his mother's wealth and his family's name. And he's just basically a stereotypical, young, good-looking, rich guy that when the story starts, he doesn't really have a whole lot of direction. His mother is not pleased by his behavior because when the story opens, he's actually getting out of jail for <laughs> because he was arrested for you know having weed in his car. And so his mother, Sylvie Johnson, is not pleased by his behavior and she wants to see some changes. And he realizes that, oh boy, maybe I've used my last chance with her. So he he has to try to make it up to her. You're introduced to Roselle Parker, who's the heroine. She's a fashion director at Sylvie's fashion house called SJ Brands. She's very different from Stefan. She's more quiet. Um, she's responsible, whereas he's a party goer. He gets into trouble, including breaking the law. So they're very different. It's it's a little bit of an office romance because he ends up working at, at his mother's fashion house as well. So there's the office romance aspect where they're, they'll be thrown together because of work. There's also you'll get an opposites attract kind of feel from them as well because of their different personalities. And he just sort of, he's attracted to her. When they meet in the second chapter, they've already seen each other. It's just that they haven't, they haven't gone beyond the initial short meeting, but there's definitely an attraction there between them. And you see that, you see how he checks her out later. You see how she thinks about him thinking that she's not his type, thinking that, you know, he's fine and good looking and all this, but why am I attracted to him? He's so arrogant. (laughs) So, um, but he ends up sort of pursuing her in the story until his mother shuts that down. 
She's like, you're not going to be involved. Sylvie, yeah. (laughs) She's not playing. She's like, no, 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 no. You're not going to mess with anybody in my company. (laughs) And then as far as Roselle, she has some hesitation, not only because of him, but because Sylvie is her mentor and she doesn't want to get involved with her son and that kind of stuff. But then they go on a trip to Paris and that causes a problem because the attraction is really there between them. And for Roselle, she starts to see him in a different light. She sees him as a good guy. Um, She realizes that he's not just arrogant and spoiled, that there is more depth to him. And he also just enjoys spending time with her. Paris changes everything. They're there for three days and two nights. And of and they hook up those two nights. And once they um, come back to the States, the plan is to not say anything. But of course, that doesn't work out because their attraction to each other is too deep. So it's just because that's the thing like you. I mean, I'm still stuck on the orgasm donor shirt. And then, <laughs> he take us to Paris with Mr. Orgasm Donor. Um, mm, yeah, you witness him donating several <laughs> orgasms to <laughs> Roselle. So <laughs> he does deliver. <laughs> and you deliver on those scenes. You know how to write a good thing. I, I shouldn't say that because if my parents happen to listen to this, I'm denied that this is me doing the interview. But um, yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So what's one thing that you you hope readers take away from this story when they listen? Uh, for this story, I mean, basically that one of the things, I always have these different ideas about the characters that I write, you know, and in this particular one, I really want people to recognize that people are deeper than what you see on the surface. And that's usually true with all the stories that I write. Um, people's behavior are typically based on either something that's happened in their past or something that they've experienced or whatever. And that's part of the fun of writing love stories or romance novels, in my opinion. It's not, it's about these two people who may not necessarily realize that they're looking for love, um, may not necessarily want it. They're going about their business and everything is fine as far as they're concerned. And then they meet someone who makes them change their mind, not just about their ideas on love, but also about their ideas about themselves. And Stefan does change throughout the story. When you initially meet him, he's Mr. Orgasm Donor, Mr. Party, Mr. Smoke Weed, Mr. Hook Up With All These Women. And he changes as the story progresses. And part of that is because of his um, relationship with with, uh, Roselle. And he starts to see his himself in a different way. And the same thing with Roselle. She starts out as very quiet, keeping to herself, doesn't have a lot of friends. And um, it's just really focused on work. The person that's most important to her in her life is her great aunt, Betty, who's always been there for her. And she learns that um, she can she can open up and she can enjoy herself and she can go beyond just being quiet Roselle and just have fun. And also that she's not alone. Like she doesn't have to hide. I don't want to give too much away because her behavior is based on something that happened in her past. But um, 
it's the kind of thing where she learns that that doesn't have to, um, I guess, define her or keep her secluded from other people. And a lot of that is based on her experiences with Stefan, not just the sexual experiences, but the way that he shows her that she can enjoy herself and go out and that kind of thing. So, Okay. All right. Well, I can't wait for readers to check it out. We're I can't go wait for them to check it out either. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to go with peek, but I know they're going to want to read the whole entire book. I can't thank you enough for stopping by and telling us about this one. I, I know you're going to have a few more out this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm putting that out there just because. I <laughs> I, I, I want that to happen. So. <laughs> so it will. It will. <laughs> I'd love to chat with you again about more of your releases. But thank you again so much for stopping. Thank by. you for having me. I um, it's my pleasure, and I love talking about my books. So <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> All right. Thanks again. Two nights in Paris by Delaney Diamond. Read by Lucy Eden. Chapter 1. Free at last. Stefan Brooks stepped out into the night, relieved to finally be released after spending hours in a holding cell. One of his family's attorney, Britt Wong, walked ahead of him. Britt, a slender man with his hair, mustache, and beard peppered with gray, was a partner and founding member of Abraham, Mackenzie, and Wong, a mid-sized law firm with offices in Atlanta, Los Angeles, and New York. His firm handled any number of personal issues for Stefan's mother, and she paid a large retainer to have them, but more specifically Brit, on call for the family, which included cleaning up the messes Stefan got himself into. On his way to meet friends for dinner, Stefan's red Ferrari had been pulled over for speeding on the highway. Unfortunately, the officer was new on the job and didn't know Stefan came from a wealthy, prominent family. He smelled weed and saw what was left of a blunt in the cup holder, and the next thing Stefan knew, he was in the back seat of a patrol car. Luckily, it hadn't taken much for Britt to reach out to the family's friends in law enforcement and ensure he didn't have to spend the night in jail. Stefan followed the attorney into the back of the waiting limo and met the hard gaze of his mother, Sylvie Johnson. Crap. He hadn't expected her to be here. He thought he'd be able to go home and have plenty of time to come up with an excuse for what happened. Diamonds dripped from Sylvie's earlobes, and she wore a long black gown, probably one of her own designs, with white gloves that came up to the elbows. She eyed his attire with tight lips, and he wished he looked better. He'd only been back in the country for a couple of days. He went to a three-day birthday party in the Seychelles, but remained for a couple of weeks afterward, soaking up the sun and enjoying life at a slower pace. He hadn't shaved recently or gotten a haircut, so his normally smooth face had facial hair, and the hair on his head was longer and showed off his natural loose curls. The worst of his appearance was probably the worn jeans and the black t-shirt emblazoned with the words, Orgasm Donor, on the front. Did you have a good time? Sylvie arched an eyebrow at him. Stefan braced for the scolding about to come his way. Of course, he did not have a good time in jail, but he had to appear adequately contrite to calm his mother's ire and make sure the fallout from his bad decision did not have repercussions for days to come. No, I did not. I'm sorry, mother. She didn't soften, not even a little bit. Your father's not pleased and neither am I. 
He said I should have left you there to teach you a lesson. He wasn't surprised his father had made such a suggestion. Oscar Brooks was much stricter than Sylvie when it came to their sons. His father believed she coddled them too much. And, in actuality, she did. On the other hand, she felt the need to toughen her daughters. He and his brother had taken full advantage of the special treatment over the years. In his mother's eyes, they did no wrong. And she had gotten them, well, Stefan mostly, out of numerous problems over the years. He suspected that much of her decisions were because for 15 years, she and his father had been divorced, and his mother felt some guilt over the fact that Oscar lived in a different state, and they were not able to have, in her opinion, a proper male influence. As a result, she became too lenient and extra protective of her sons. I'm glad you didn't leave me there, Stefan said. Sylvie breathed a slow breath. You must stop this. I need you to do better, Stefan. She turned away from him to gaze out at the passing buildings, but not before he saw an emotion on her face that she'd never directed at him before. Disappointment. Pain twisted in his chest and kept him from speaking as the limousine rolled down the street in silence. He didn't know the side of his mother. The woman he grew up with thought her kids were perfect and insisted they did no wrong, even when she knew they had. He slumped against the leather seat, his gaze landing on Brit, who politely averted his eyes to documents on his lap now that he'd accomplished the task of setting Stefan free. None of them said a word during the rest of the ride. The limo pulled up outside of the Fox Theater, where Sylvie had been attending a charity event. Oscar was probably still inside. Ever since his parents' reconciliation, his mother had been less forgiving of his behavior and less generous with the money she dispersed for his leisurely lifestyle. Much of those changes were because of his father, and resentment settled in Stefan's gut. Sylvie turned to him. We need to talk, but not tonight. Yes, mother. The driver came around and opened the door. Before she exited the vehicle, Sylvie took a good look at her son. I want you to come to my office on Monday so we can talk in person. I have an appointment at 8, then another engagement around 10, so I'll squeeze you in at 9 o'clock. Be prompt. I will be. If she wanted him there at six o'clock in the morning, he'd be there. Right now, he was at her mercy and needed to get back on her good side. Sylvie walked towards the entrance of the building and the driver climbed in and took off. What do you think, Britt? Do you really want to know my opinion? The attorney asked. I asked, didn't I? If I had to guess, I'd say you used your last life. Over the years, Britt every so often pointed out that Stefan was using one of his nine lives, his chances, much like a cat did. Stefan laughed every time because he didn't have a worry in the world as he lived the good life that others only fantasized about. Besides, he always sweet-talked his mother and got back on her good side. Obviously, Britt did not believe that was a possibility this time. What makes you say that? Stefan asked. I've worked for your mother a long time. I've seen her get you out of all kinds of scrapes. But I can tell that this time, she's had enough. But how? Stefan asked, a little bit of panic bubbling up inside him. He nervously stared at the attorney, waiting anxiously for his reply. As if his answer determined whether or not his relationship with his mother was forever destroyed. Because, for as long as I've known Sylvie Johnson... Whenever you got yourself into trouble, she's been there, right beside you, 
fighting for you, whether you wanted her to or not. Tonight, she came to make sure that you were okay. But instead of staying with you like she used to, she went back to the event and has effectively sent you home. That's the first time I've ever seen her do that. And that's how I know you've used your last life. Stefan mulled the attorney's words. His mother certainly didn't seem as worried about him as she'd been in the past. She was annoyed and disappointed. He dropped his head to the back of the leather seat and closed his eyes. As much as he hated to admit it, he knew the attorney was right. Chapter 2 On Monday morning, Stefan plodded into his mother's large office, decorated in white, her favorite color, with splashes of tan and pale rose. Sheer drapes covered the windows at her back and allowed sunlight to come in and brighten the room. He dropped into the chair before her glass desk. He'd shaved, cut his hair, and made sure to dress more appropriately today in a long sleeve shirt and chinos. Sylvie was on the phone and held up one finger while continuing her conversation in Spanish, a language which he also spoke fluently. He couldn't help but admire his mother. She'd bucked tradition and instead of setting up shop in New York or California like most designers, chose Atlanta, Georgia. She was a successful businesswoman, albeit one who started her career with millions of dollars in her pocket, but she had turned that money into a multi-billion dollar enterprise called SJ Brands, Her fashion, makeup, and furniture lines were also under the SJ Brands name, while SJ Media was the name for her company that produced films and funded documentaries. She was doing what she loved instead of working in the family's beer and restaurant businesses, but she'd had every right to inherit a portion of the conglomerate. Furthermore, she weathered the storm of a divorce and taking care of four children, somehow managing to keep her sanity while she grew her companies. He hated to disappoint her and had considered lying and blaming the weed on one of his friends, but that was the coward's way out. He was more than ready to make up for what he'd done. Hopefully, she'd see his contrition and cut him a break. Sylvie hung up the phone and stared across the desk at him. Stefan grinned at her, hoping to warm the icy freeze in the room. You look great today. She wore her hair down in a pool of black silk that tumbled down her back, a hairstyle she wore more frequently ever since she and his father got back together. I look great every day. He lost his smile. This conversation was going to be harder than anticipated. He decided to meet the problem head on. I know I screwed up big time, and I I want you to know that I'm really sorry. I'm going to do better. Moving forward, you're going to see a whole new Stefan. Sylvie folded her hands on the desk and looked steadily at him. You're saying everything I want you to say, like you always have. Damn, she was really pissed. I mean it this time. His mother sighed heavily. From the beginning, you've always given me so much trouble. You were my most difficult pregnancy. Here we go, Stefan thought, fighting everything in him not to roll his eyes. You were born late, simply refused to be born, and were seven days overdue. Then I went into labor, and oh my goodness, she shook her head. Twenty hours of labor. Twenty hours of labor, Stefan. You were never easy, and you grew more difficult as you got older. I didn't help matters by letting you get away with murder, bailing you out every time you got into trouble. And in general, not giving you the tools you need to become a successful and properly functioning adult. All of that changes today. She said the last in a steely voice that made Stefan pay attention. You need to find a job 
I'm canceling your credit cards and cutting your allowance. Stefan went rigid with shock. What? You can't do that. I'm afraid I can, darling. The changes will be immediate. You have 30 days to find work. After 30 days are up, you will be responsible for most of your expenses. She sat back in the chair. By how much are you cutting my allowance? 50%. 50%? I'll starve. Had what he'd done really warranted such a harsh punishment? Did father put you up to this? He was pretty sure his father put this idea into her head. I do have a mind of my own, Stefan, Sylvie said dryly. She stood and came to stand beside the chair, resting her bottom on the edge of her desk. You will not starve. You'll be fine. You have to learn to budget and earn your own money to spend. Stefan inwardly seethed. I don't understand why you're doing this. It's for your own good. You have to learn to be responsible. And I feel as if it's my fault that you haven't been responsible all these years. I am responsible. I learned my lesson, I promise. Not from what I've seen. What kind of work could I possibly do? All he knew was how to spend money, give orgasms, and have a good time. He had virtually no work experience and wasn't capable of anything else. Sylvie shrugged. Perhaps you could work at a coffee shop. Very funny. There was no way the money he earned working at a coffee shop would offset the loss in income from his decreased allowance and canceled credit cards. Well, I'm certainly not going to refer you to any of my friends, and you can't work for your cousins at Johnson Enterprises. Johnson Enterprises was the umbrella organization that made up the multi-billion dollar beer and restaurant empire on his mother's side of the family. At the moment, his cousins owned and ran Johnson Brewing Company, the number one beer company in the country. Why not? As far as my friends, my reputation would be at stake. I'm not taking any chances with you embarrassing me. You have embarrassed me enough, and believe me, I am not happy about this weekend's events. Then, of course, there's the situation of the summer you spent in Seattle working at Johnson Enterprises headquarters. Need I remind you what happened? Stefan winced. No. He majorly screwed up. Since he was family, he didn't think he had to work as hard as the other employees. He came in late, left early, and didn't turn in assignments on time. His cousin Cyrus, the company's no-nonsense CEO, eventually fired him. Not his finest moment at all. Of course, you could always work here, Sylvie said. Ella and Reese have positions in my company, so I'm inviting you to work here as well. His older sister, Ella, was the vice president of operations, overseeing all their mother's businesses, and his younger brother, Reese, worked in the IT department, no doubt being groomed to take over after the current CIO left. Work here under your thumb? Stefan grumbled. Sylvie arched an eyebrow at him. I didn't mean that. I'm sure you didn't, because you know better. I can't work here, mother. What will I do? Sew dresses? Don't be nasty, darling. It's unbecoming. I'll find a spot for you. If you tell me what you're interested in, you can work in any of my companies or all of them. It's completely up to you, but you have to make a decision. And what if I don't want to work for you? Then you can go work at a coffee shop, Sylvie said with a tight smile. Stefan smelled a setup. While it was true that he'd made a mistake over the weekend, it was not his first brush with the law. In the past, he'd been caught driving on a suspended license and been in a couple of physical altercations, among other things. 
He understood if his mother was getting tired of cleaning up his messes, but he sensed there was more amiss. It would be impossible for him to find a job that made up the loss in income from his cut allowance and to do so within the time frame she stipulated. I could always DJ, he thought. But that didn't appeal to him as much as it should. Being a celebrity DJ used to be fun and paid well, but it was still work, late night work that he preferred to do only on an occasional basis as a hobby. If it became his full-time job, he'd hate it. The only way to meet all the requirements was to work for Sylvie, which he was starting to suspect was the end game anyway. Sylvie was expected to transition the conglomerate to her children eventually, but with his track record, he'd never considered she'd want him to be one of those children. If he came on board now, if he showed her he was no good at his job, Maybe she'd leave him alone once and for all, and then he'd only have a short wait until he received a huge chunk of his inheritance after he turned 30. Still, I don't have any skills, Stefan said. You speak several languages fluently, and you worked for your father one summer? Oscar brokered boat sales, and that's how he met Sylvie. That was ages ago. I was a kid, and selling boats is not the same as selling furniture or clothing or working in the film industry. No, but the same skill sets apply. You are a people person, and you can use that to your advantage. I think you'd be a star in business development working with the SJ Brand store and third-party stores that carry my brand. Stefan deflated. She had an answer for every objection. Her gaze softened a fraction. You know this is for the best. You're 29 years old, and it's time you grew up. At least try. For me, hmm? If you don't like working in business development, we'll see if you fit in somewhere else. All right, Stefan muttered. Sylvie's face brightened. Good. A knock sounded at the door. Come in, she called. Stefan heard the door open. I'm sorry, I didn't know you were in a meeting. Inez wasn't at her desk. With his back turned, he couldn't see the person who spoke, but immediately his ears perked up at the soft, alluring sound of her voice, a voice he heard before. It's fine. Come in. Sylvie waved the woman forward, and Stefan twisted in the chair enough to catch sight of her as she approached. Roselle Parker was a mildly attractive woman holding two sketch pads at her side. She had cinnamon brown skin, and her shoulder-length hair was styled into bouncy curls. Sylvie took a couple of steps towards the younger woman. Stefan, have you met Roselle before? She's one of my fashion directors overseeing accessories and the women's workwear lines. She's one of my best employees. Whatever I toss at her, she handles. I don't know what I'd do without her. Thank you. Roselle blushed and lowered her gaze in a bashful manner. Stefan is going to start working here very soon in business development. I don't believe you've met before, have you? Uh, not formally. I've seen him once or twice in the building and once briefly in the break room. Roselle replied with a smile, a nice smile to hide the fact that she'd been rude to him in that same break room. Stefan came to his feet. Nice to meet you again. He towered over her, so she had to look up at him with a pair of bottomless dark brown eyes that sucked him in with their radiance, like he did with every woman. He assessed her fuckability. She gave him a firm handshake with very soft hands that sent an unexpected surge through him. His fingers tightened around hers, and he examined her features as if he had to sketch them later for an art final. She was cute, with prominent cheekbones and full, inviting-looking lips. A bit on the slender side, but not too skinny for him. 
Under her silk blouse, her breasts were too small for a handful, but still a decent size. She had a small waist hidden beneath slimming black slacks, and dark heels gave her a little height. Final assessment? He'd definitely do her. He wanted to do her, if she'd only give him a shot. Rosselle abruptly withdrew her hand, cutting off contact and leaving Stefan feeling oddly bereft of her touch. I brought those sketches you asked for, she said, returning her attention to Sylvie in a way that made him feel as if she were purposely ignoring him. Good, let's see what you have. Stefan reclaimed his seat, and both women rounded the desk. Sylvie sat down and put on her black-framed glasses while Rosselle showed her the designs. Sylvie flipped through the pages. Oh, these are lovely. I like this one a lot. She tapped the page with a forefinger. I do too. I think the skirt works for next year's spring line. Oh, absolutely. But instead of this blue, I'd go deeper, to indigo. Yes, I see what you mean. As Rosselle bent over the desk, she tucked strands of hair behind her ear and laughed quietly with his mother as she pointed to something on a sheet of paper. She was definitely hot. That's fascinating. We must do that, Sylvie said. She made a check mark in the top right corner of one of the sheets. I thought you'd agree. Was Roselle really that amenable, or was she one of those people who kissed Sylvie's butt because they were terrified of her? Sylvie flipped to another page. How are your plans going for the trip to Paris? She asked. Roselle straightened. I reconfirmed the meetings this morning. Wonderful. I hope you scheduled some free time, too. You're going to love Paris, Stefan said. I'd like to spend an extra day if that's okay with you. Rosselle spoke directly to his mother as if he hadn't spoken. Was she ignoring him or was that his imagination? He wasn't used to being ignored, especially not by women. Sylvie removed her glasses and set them on the desk. Of course, one cannot go to Paris without doing a little sightseeing. And you've never been before, have you? No, never. I've never been out of the country. I had to get a passport for this trip. Rosselle gave a little laugh. Then by all means, take an extra day to do a tour. Visit the Louvre or take a trip on one of those boats that cruise down the Seine River. Enjoy yourself. Thank you. Rosselle's eyes lit up with excitement and Stefan couldn't help but stare. Sylvie looked at him. Rosselle is meeting with the representatives of a high-end department store in Paris, Rue de la Mode, our lines do very well at other Parisian retailers, and they want to partner with us to release a line exclusive to their stores. Clothes, shoes, accessories, and bed linens. You've never done bed linens before, Stefan said. He didn't know much about his mother's businesses, but he did know that. No, I haven't, but I'm open to the idea. The company is interested in a long-term relationship. Rosal is going over there to meet with them and check out their stores. To see if they're worthy of carrying your brand? Stefan asked with mild amusement. Exactly. Not everyone is worthy. Sylvie said with a heavy dose of arrogance. There will be more negotiations afterwards, but we want to at least meet with them and start a conversation. She handed the pads to Roussel. I like what I see in those sketches. Tell them to carry on. Have the rest of them to me by next week? I will. Roselle's grin rivaled the sunlight pouring through the windows at Sylvie's back. She left the room. Where were we? Sylvie asked. We were talking about me coming to work for you in business development. Oh, yes. So... Can't wait. You can't? Yes. Stefan stood. When do you want me to start? 
Well, that's all for today's episode of The Hive. Thanks for listening and thank you to Delaney Diamond for joining me today, along with Lucy Eden for taking us inside Delaney's Two Nights in Paris. Join us again next week, same time, same place. But before you go, make sure you click the subscribe to The Hive so you never miss an episode. If you want to know more about Delaney Diamond's Two Nights in Paris, our sponsors, or check out Honey Magnolia, stop by our website at hunmagpr.com. H-L-N-M-A-G-P-R dot com. And don't forget to also follow us online on our social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at HunMagPR.